very quickly for a few minutes. Start by turning to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and let's briefly consider Jesus Christ as our Passover. One of the simplest words in the Bible, full of meaning, the Passover. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. Oh, we have need of that blood. That when we stand in the great day of judgment, that God Almighty, holy and just, not acquitting the guilty, unable to forgive sinners without a proper substitute and payment, the one who wrote and said, the soul that sinneth it shall die, the one that wrote, the wages of sin is death, that one, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, a chapter about Church discipline taught by the Apostle Paul to the church at Corinth. In the seventh verse, we have these words. Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. In two verses, we have much said about leaven, and and it's why we use unleavened bread. Jesus used unleavened bread because the bread he used for the institution of the Lord's Supper was at the Passover. And there was no leavened bread in that room at the Passover because they had to use unleavened bread. But far beyond that, there's significance in using unleavened bread, because leaven is viewed in the Bible as sin, and here we're told that we are an unleavened lump, our sins have been put away by Christ, and we are to partake of this supper with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. That is not having known sin in our lives. But the point that I really want for you to see is even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Jesus Christ is truly, from the Bible... The fulfillment of the Passover lamb. And Jesus Christ was sacrificed for us as a lamb every year was sacrificed for every household. Come back to Luke chapter 22 and let's read about Jesus Christ at his last Passover. Luke chapter 22. We have several new members. Some taken in a few weeks ago. Some taken in today. We're going to have the Lord's Supper with them momentarily. We want them to understand the beauty of the Old Testament Passover fulfilled by Jesus Christ and fulfilled by the New Testament Passover, if you'll allow me that use of words called the Lord's Table and the Lord's Supper. We do not make any big deal about the Jewish Passover anymore because it has no meaning for us. It has no meaning for anyone anymore to actually observe it. We have the fulfillment of it in Jesus Christ. And the fulfillment is always better than a shadowy picture of a thing. Why look at a shadow on the ground when you can look at the reality in the New Testament and see Jesus Christ as the fulfillment of that Passover lamb? 
Luke chapter 22, starting at verse 14, our Lord is having his last Passover supper with his disciples. Verse 14 of Luke 22, and when the hour was come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them, with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise, also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of him that betrayeth me is with me on the table. And truly the Son of Man goeth, as it was determined. But woe unto that man by whom he is betrayed. There is our Lord Jesus Christ ending the Passover by saying he would fulfill it and by instituting the Lord's Supper, which we keep as a perpetual ordinance for the New Testament. There is so much that could be said. We have but a few minutes. Let's just remind ourselves of some of the basic, important points of the Passover Supper of the Old Testament that Jesus fulfilled so that we can rejoice in the blood that was shed for us and sprinkled over us by the electing mercy of a gracious God. Turn back to Exodus chapter 12, a chapter that I hope you were able to read last evening that gives us all the details of the Passover supper. There are several other passages in the Old Testament that tell us a few other things, but Exodus 12 has 51 verses dedicated to the Passover supper, and we'll just consider a few things very quickly. Israel had been a sojourner for 430 years from the days of Abraham being given the covenant of promise until Mount Sinai when the law was given to Moses. 215 of those years were down in Egypt. They went down, 70 or 75 people, depending on which account you read, including certain and excluding others of Jacob's family, and they came out 600,000 footmen, beside children, a large multitude with a mixed multitude accompanying them. That is Egyptians and others that just wanted to be with God's people and avoid all the trouble and judgment that they had seen in the land of Egypt. They'd been afflicted by their taskmasters, and they had cried out to God by reason of their affliction, and their sigh had come up to heaven. And God is about to deliver them, but he's not going to deliver them easily from the perspective of the Egyptians. The Egyptians are going to pay dearly for the trouble they caused God's people. And I hope you understand that. Israel got all their back wages because they plundered the land. By taking with, they spoiled the Egyptians by taking their gold and silver on the night they left. And for the lives that were taken by the Egyptians, they lost one in every house. Moses had brought 
a sign and many plagues upon the land of Egypt. But now it was time for the final plague, which was going to take the firstborn in every home. This deliverance out of Egypt was instigated by the Israelites crying unto God by reason of their taskmasters. I want to remind you of something, that God had mercy on us when we were not crying by reason of our taskmaster, the devil himself, and our sinful flesh. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 that we walked according to the course of this world and according to the prince of the power of the air, and we were happy as sinners. We weren't crying out by reason of our taskmaster. We were content being part of Satan's palace. We were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, quickened us together with Christ. So there's a great difference made right there. If you have read Exodus chapter 12, Moses came and gathered together the whole congregation. The Lord's Supper is not for some, it's for all. The Roman Catholic Church has kept the cup or the wine from the laity, as they call the commoners in a church, for for hundreds of years. But you'll notice in the passage we just read in Luke chapter 22, Jesus Christ distributed some wine and he said, divide this among yourselves. In another gospel, he says, drink ye all of it. Ye all drink of it because it was for everyone there. And so it was when Moses gathered the whole congregation together and told them the ordinance of the Passover supper. Plagues had come upon Egypt. Pharaoh had rebelled and would not let Moses and the people go. So God came to them through Moses and said, I am going to visit the land of Egypt tonight. And I want every one of our children listening that's able to understand. God said, I am going to come and visit Egypt. And I am going to go into every house, and I am going to find the bedroom of the oldest child, and I'm going to go into that bedroom and kill the oldest child in every family in the nation of Egypt, the greatest nation on earth at that time. But for you Israelites, my chosen people, I want you to pick out a lamb that's a year old, a male without any blemishes, on the tenth day of the month. I want you to keep that lamb up until the evening of the 14th day. On the evening of the 14th day, I want you to get your family together, cut that lamb's throat, bleed its blood into a basin, take a branch of hyssop and dip it in that blood and put it on the two side posts and the overhead post of the doorway entering your house. And verse 12, chapter 12 and verse 13 says... The blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. There is a day coming when God is going to judge all mankind and devil kind. They will all be held accountable for their sins. And we want these words to be said of us about a different kind of blood, and that's the blood of Jesus Christ. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. The angel of the Lord came into the land of Egypt that night and passed through 
the part of Egypt called Goshen, where all the families of Israel dwelt, and saw the blood there, and passed over their houses. But every house in Egypt that didn't have that blood, the angel of the Lord, the presence of the Lord came down and went into that house, found the bedroom of that child, and cut that child off. And a cry rose up from Egypt as they found a dead person in every single house. But the Bible tells us not a dog barked in Goshen. God made an enormous and total and complete difference between the land of Goshen where his people were and where the people of the world were in Egypt. He passed through and entered their houses in the dark of the night. At midnight, it tells us, and cut off a child in every house. Even among the cattle. Every child, every cow or steer, steer or bull that had opened the, the matrix or the womb or the cervix of the cattle of Egypt also died. There was death everywhere because God had passed through the land to judge that land for what they had done toward his people. But when he passed through Goshen, he saw the blood over the door and he said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. A cry rose up that night. Pharaoh called for Moses and said, get out. You can go do whatever you want to do. Just go do it before we're all dead men. And the rest of Egypt rose up that night and found their neighbors, the Israelites that were closest to them, pressing upon them their gold and silver and saying, just leave us before we're all dead. So they got their back wages and they got their back justice for 215 years, some of which had been very painful for them as they endured the hard bondage of the Egyptians. But God, when he saw the blood, passed over the Israelites. They had eaten the lamb that night. After they had taken its blood and put it on the doorway, they roasted that whole lamb. The head included. The Bible's very particular. They roasted it. They could not boil it. They roasted the whole thing, and they ate it with bitter herbs and unleavened bread, with their shoes on their feet and a staff in their hand, because they were ready to go. And brethren... When we come to this table called the Lord's Supper, our bitter herbs are the self-examination that we should make to examine ourselves and repent of our sins and confess our sins. And you know, in a spiritual sense, we ought to have our shoes on our feet because we are waiting to go to our Canaan. The reason that we have the Lord's Supper is because he died for us to put into force the last will and testament of God, which is our eternal inheritance. We should be ready to go. When we take the Lord's Supper, are you ready to go? Are you ready to go to heaven? Are you ready for the Lord Jesus Christ to come? If we've examined ourselves and confessed our sins and repented of them, there should be nothing between us that would offend God. So that if Jesus Christ were to come, we could meet Him confidently, looking forward to being with Him for eternity. Any part of that lamb that hadn't been eaten that night was to be burned with fire and not taken out of the house. And so there was a a little ceremony taking place in every home where the children saw the blood of a lamb shed, put over the door, then they ate that meal, then they heard a cry ring through the land of Egypt as their neighbors, the Egyptians, rushed on them to get them out of the land. And they grabbed their kneading troughs, put them on their shoulders, 
and took off because they were going to God's promised land, the promised land of Canaan. That took place that night. That's the first half of Exodus chapter 12. The second half of Exodus chapter 12 is Moses commanding the people of Israel to establish this as a perpetual ordinance to be kept through their generations to remember what the Lord had done in the land of Egypt, having delivered them. And so year after year, they changed their calendar because of this event. That's how important their deliverance from Egypt was. How important should it be to us from having been delivered from our sins and the eternal consequences of them? They changed their calendar. The first year of the month, called Abib or Nisan in the Bible, the tenth day of that month, they picked out the lamb. The fourteenth day of the month, they killed it, called the Passover Supper. The fifteenth and the twenty-first were Sabbaths to the Lord. And every day in between, they had to eat unleavened bread. If you ate leavened bread, you were just killed. That's called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The Passover Supper introduced it. It immediately began because you had no leavened bread at that supper. And it's called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. In the Bible, where you find the words Feast of Unleavened Bread, that's the seven-day ceremony, also called the Passover. Sometimes the Passover refers just to the lamb being killed and eaten that night. Sometimes it refers to the whole seven-day feast. But every year they kept that Passover. And Jesus, our Lord, in about 30 A.D., kept that Passover in Luke chapter 22. By God's sovereign providence, a place, a room had been prepared, an upper room, and he gathered there with his 12 apostles, and they had the Passover supper. And at the end of that Passover supper, he took some of that unleavened bread and segregated it from the rest and presented it to them as a memorial of his death that he was about to die, his body that was about to be torn for our sins. And he did the same with the cup of wine that would have been at a Passover supper as well. This is the feast of unleavened bread. This is the feast of the Passover. And it was turned into the Lord's Supper by the Lord Jesus Christ. There in Luke chapter 22. No stranger to Israel could partake of it. They practiced closed communion. We practiced closed communion. When the Israelites practiced closed communion, they weren't trying to offend strangers that were among them. Those strangers could partake of them. All they had to do was be circumcised and become a member of Israel. Then they could partake. It didn't matter if you were a Gentile. You could become a member of Israel and be allowed to sit at the Passover supper. But you had to be circumcised to show that you had an interest and an affection for the covenant that God had made with Israel. If you didn't keep the rules, the Lord would cut you off. Were there some rules broken in the church at Corinth in the observing of the Lord's Supper? Did the Lord cut them off? There were many were sick, many were weak, and many slept, meaning many were dead in the church at Corinth because they did not keep the rules of the Lord's Supper that are described there as Paul had delivered to them. Our God cannot pass over sin. The Bible teaches us that very plainly. Our God is holy and our God is just. Our God is righteous and he must punish sin. He cannot acquit the wicked or clear the guilty. That's Exodus 34, 7, Nahum 1 and verse 3. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. He is a holy God. 
And yet we have the word Passover because the Lord, when He came into Egypt and smote every house of the Egyptians, He passed over the Israelite houses and did not touch their firstborn. And when it comes to the great day of judgment, the Lord is going to pass over His people and not punish them because a substitute died for them just like the little lamb had to die that was innocent and had done nothing wrong in order to preserve the firstborn in every home. Someone had to die. In every home in Egypt, someone died. Either it was the firstborn child or it was the little lamb. Someone has to die. And if it wasn't for the Lord Jesus Christ dying as a substitute for us, we would die the second death and be punished by God for our sins forever. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus Christ being the fulfillment. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Jesus is called the Lamb of God in our New Testaments. John the Baptist pointed him out and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Because Jesus fulfilled that lamb that had been so important to Israel for nearly 2,000 years as the Passover lamb. The lamb was without blemish. They had to pick out of their flock the best lamb they could find. The Lord Jesus Christ was without blemish. The perfect Son of God that He was. The lamb had to be a male. And so was Mary's firstborn son. The lamb was young. Still in its first year. And Jesus was very early in his life. Cut off in the prime of life. At around the age of 33. The lamb could not have any bones broken. Very particular in Exodus chapter 12. No bones broken. And our blessed father in heaven was just as protective of the Lord Jesus Christ. John tells us in John 19. I was there and I saw it with my own eyes. I saw the Roman soldiers come up and bust the legs of the two thieves, but they did not break a bone to fulfill the scriptures of the Lord Jesus Christ. They pierced his side, and out came blood and water. The lamb died and shed its blood for another, even though it hadn't done anything wrong. And the Lord Jesus Christ died for us, even though he hadn't done anything wrong. He was made sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. The Lamb died on the 14th of the first month of the year, and so did the Lord Jesus Christ. The Passover was a memorial feast to remember the deliverance they got out of Egypt. Our Lord's Supper is a memorial supper to remember our deliverance from sin. Salvation was by God's choice. He came into Egypt that night and did not go in to any house of the Israelites, but only into the house of the Egyptians. And not a dog raised its voice or barked against the Israelite. Salvation was unconditional on the part of the firstborn. If you had a firstborn one-year-old baby in your house resting in its crib... It did not know anything about the blood on its door. That blood was put there by another. The father of that child took the blood from that basin and put it on the post of that door. And it was the father's work of putting that blood up there 
that kept that one-year-old child from dying. And so it tells us in the New Testament, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is applied to us by a Father in heaven that loves us and predestinated us to be His children by gracious adoption before the world began. And He sprinkles that blood upon us through Jesus Christ and by the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit of God. That is how that blood is applied to us. The blood wasn't offered to the baby in the crib, nor was the blood offered to us. Jesus Christ, we're told in Hebrews 9, offered His blood to God through the eternal Spirit, and God accepted that blood. God saw the blood, and He passes over all of His elect. Jesus said, not a single one will be lost, but I will raise Him up again at the last day. And for that, we are ever thankful. How do we know that blood was sprinkled for us? By the basic evidence that the New Testament teaches. And as many as were ordained to eternal life, believed. The first thing we do is we believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, which shows that God has changed our heart to be like His child. We then get baptized, which is an act of obedience, whereby we give God the answer of our good conscience. We then add to our faith virtue, and to virtue, knowledge. And the knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, charity. Second Peter 1, 5 through 7. Wherefore, if we do these things diligently, we can make our calling and election sure. That's how we know that blood was sprinkled for us. The, the Passover of the Old Testament was established as an ordinance forever. And the Lord's Supper of the New Testament has been observed For 2,000 years. Just like we're going to observe it. Unleavened bread. Wine. Remembering the Lord's death. Till he comes. The feast was a memorial then. Of a deliverance from Egypt. Our feast is a memorial now. Of a deliverance from sin. Death and hell. Jesus Christ observed them both. He ended the one. And initiated the other. He started the Lord's supper. There at the Passover. With his apostles. The bread was unleavened, and so we use unleavened bread because of the way it's described in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. It is a night to be much observed and remembered. Did you read those words in Exodus 12? It was a night to be remembered and observed. We have a night that is far greater. When the Lord Jesus Christ was tormented by Herod's soldiers, by the Jews, and by Pilate's soldiers... And he would not answer a word that would have been sinful or would have kept him from his purpose. But he laid down his life for us. And the sun and its glories were shut in as darkness reigned over the earth. While Jesus hung on the cross from noon till three o'clock in the afternoon. It is a night to be much remembered. And we remember it when we come to the Lord's table. It is not a sad occasion any more than it was a sad occasion for the Israelites to keep the Passover. No one died in an Israelite house. And by God's grace, not one of his elect will be lost. And by his mercy toward us, we shall be saved. It's a time of celebration. We think 
And we remember the pain and suffering that our Lord went through for us. But we rejoice at the benefits that were purchased for us by his death. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. We shall stand before the holy God of the Bible in a very short time. And when we stand there, you will hope and we do now trust and believe that our names are written in the book of life of the Lamb slain. The Lamb slain. The Lamb slain. It is the book of life of the Lamb slain. Jesus Christ our Lord shed His blood so that all the names that were written in the book of life before the world began, as Revelation 13.8 and 17.8 tells us, will be covered by that blood. And we will sing along with those that I've already mentioned from Revelation chapter 5. Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof because thou hast redeemed us by thy blood to God out of every kin, kindred, tongue, people, and nation. That is our salvation. That is the fulfillment of the Passover and the Lord's Supper. Though so simple, is beautiful in its design. It's beautiful in its object. And it's a night to be remembered that the Lord Jesus Christ died for us and purchased for us the transition into heaven with an eternal inheritance waiting for us. May Jesus Christ be praised. And may you always remember these words. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. And we are not talking about the blood of some little furry lamb. We are talking about the blood of the Son of God who gave himself for us. Brethren, rejoice in your hearts that we have the fulfillment of the Passover. 2,000 years of Israelites had to play with a shadow. We have the reality. The Lord Jesus Christ, may he be praised.